Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. We're back to um, being in my study and streaming online. Uh, this is the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Come to each morning about 9 a.m. And uh, I'm actually thinking, now that I have it all lined up, that we might change the schedule a bit. Um, from what I had planned to do today to what we actually probably should do. And the reason for that is we were going to do the road to Emmaus. That's what I had on the opening slide. The problem is, is actually we're going to do a more uh, intense catechesis about the road to Emmaus next week. Next week. Um, the school children are out today. Um, this is the appointed text for Easter Monday. And uh, that's because our churches traditionally would celebrate um, Easter with more uh, fullness than what we do today. So just as we gathered throughout Holy Week and there were readings appointed for each day, so also for Easter evening or Easter Monday, depending on uh, the local congregation's practice, they would gather again for Easter. I uh, encountered this actually a little bit over the weekend, uh, maybe to my frustration, which is the number of people who um, had prioritized their family and their family gatherings over the hearing of God's word and the receiving of his gifts, which how else are you going to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord than by receiving uh, his body and blood? And of course, um, the instruction of his word. It, of course, it's frustration as a pastor because, uh, and just simply as a Christian, I can't even fathom um, prioritizing other things other than God's word um, on Easter. Not part of my, uh, my family's practice and uh, family Extended families practice, it's a very strange idea, um, but apparently it's uh, it's more common than I thought. And consequently, uh, you can see this reflected in, in folks who uh, didn't make it to church on Easter, which is incredible, um, but also in kind of the, I guess, slow decline in that we don't celebrate Easter Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday the way that uh, historically our churches did. Probably, I don't think in any of any of the living memory, so I don't know that anyone in our congregations have um, celebrated Easter that way. We talked about the same thing uh, in regards to Christmas, right? In that uh, there are 12 days to celebrate Christmas. Each day has, or many of those days following Christmas have appointed readings. Um, you know, with St. Stephen's Day on the 26th, and the 27th being St. John, and 28th being um, the Feast of the Holy Innocents, you know, for example. So those three days after uh, Christmas having uh, appointed feast days as well. So, um, eh, I think it's something that we can restore if we're willing, and if rather than just saying, well, that's just not how things are these days. Eh, anyway, so I'm thinking, I think what we'll do, because we will, uh, I was thinking about giving you the, the gospel according to St. John on the Easter day, but we'll, we'll get that on another Easter Sunday uh, in years to come. So, what I think what we'll do, we'll do today's appointed readings. Uh, and rather than do uh, kind of our typical catechesis, questions and answers, which we'll do next week, um, maybe I'll share a meditation with you for this day, and that will allow us to celebrate it. So uh, Easter Monday readings are actually the events of Easter Sunday evening. But, you know, according to the Jewish reckoning, uh, Sunday evening is, of course, the beginning of Monday, uh, our Monday. All right. So with all of that introduction... Welcome back. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. Memory verse for the week uh, is our Old Testament text from yesterday. I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. Job 19, verses 25 through 26. All right. Uh, Job, probably the oldest written book of the Old Testament, uh, has an interesting pedigree as far as its canonicity, that is, its inclusion in the Old Testament. Uh, There's strong suggestion that it was written down before the books of Moses, which is uh, kind of an interesting idea to contemplate, right? Um, But also sets forward a profound um, understanding of of a, or a theology of suffering, uh, but also of confession of the resurrection being an, not a new confession with Christ, but actually integral to the Old Testament understanding of what it meant uh, to be hopeful in God. All right, so there it is, right away in Job 19. Of course, the basis for the hymn, I Know My Redeemer Lives. Our psalm is a portion of our psalm from yesterday, Psalm 118, beginning in verse 19. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord, O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. yeah, it's a little small. Let's make it bigger. All right, our table of duties uh, is, well, actually, I should say our catechis- catechism reading for this week is from the table of duties to husbands. All right, and we confess the two verses here. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Colossians 3, verse 19. All right, the first reading for um, Easter Monday is from 1 Peter chapter 1. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, 
who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Because, quoting Isaiah, all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. All right, terrific text here for the Paschal Feast, Paschal Victim, Paschal Bread, as we sang yesterday. Uh, Paschal, by the way, is just the Greek word for Passover. And so the preferred nomenclature <laughs> for this season is not Easter, it's resurrection, um, or the resurrection of our Lord. Or you'll also hear often um, in the church uh, Passover or Paschal which again is the Greek for Passover. So preferred nomenclature, Easter being somewhat controversial, I suppose. Um, some have argued that it comes from this uh, Roman goddess, Easter. Uh, I think most would argue that it's uh, more Germanic, meaning spring, either way. Um, the church has often co-opted um, even pagan names uh, for days, etc., uh, unashamedly claiming all things, or holding all things captive uh, for faith in Christ. Uh, but here you'll see Passover, because as a lamb without blemish and without spot, we, are, we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. All right. One other interesting thing here to note is, is this uh, element of time, which I emphasized in the sermon yesterday, which you can go uh, listen to in, in various places, of course, all the media linked down below. The uh, the idea of time is is interesting. So we, yesterday I spoke of the future, and the future is preordained, right? Your future is preordained because you have been redeemed by Christ, and so nothing can separate you from the love of Christ, and your future is assured, right? That you, the dead, will will rise and uh, like Christ rose on the third day, and will join him in the eternal feast. And if you don't believe that, here's the proof: you are forgiven, right? You are baptized, and Christ continues to visit you by his angels, to preach comfort um, and strength to you. Um, so that's the future. We can also talk the same way about the past. Right? And you see that here, um, that he was indeed foreordained before the foundation of the world. So uh, maybe it's one of these uh, mind benders a bit. I don't think so. But when we look at creation, we want the way the apostles work, uh, and they learn this from Jesus, is that we were to think of creation in terms of a creation to be redeemed in Christ. So even before man was created, God already in his mind had sent his son to redeem them. So this was always the plan. It wasn't like Jesus is some kind of do-over for man, but rather the plan was always to teach, to create man, um, to love him, right? And his love, that love would be known in that God would give him everything needed for body and life, including eternal salvation from their own rebellious sin. So the lamb was foredained before the foundation of the world, right? Uh, but of course, only manifest now in these last times, right? Uh, who has been, was born of the Virgin Mary in time, who revealed himself in time, who died it, when his hour had come, right? So we have this, uh, the God is not only uh, uh, the God of, of heaven and earth, but he's also the God of time, both past, present, and future. 
I'm trying to think, how does the psalmist say, all things are in your, all, or my times are in your hands. My times, past, present, and future. Beautiful, right? Um, and what comfort then to know that no matter what is in front um, or what has come in the past, all has been redeemed in the blood of Christ. All right, as I said, um, we're going to hear the uh, road to Emmaus. We're going to break this down into a few parts, actually, when we go through it with our formal catechesis with the children next week. Um, so here, we'll, we'll read it, and then I'll share again a meditation with you. Now, behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things that had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then one, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happened here are there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and entered enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses... And all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at table with them, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Then they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told uh, about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. All right. So. I'm going to use the same resource I was using last week, uh, which is a, a breviary. It's a daily uh, prayer book. Um, this one is by an acquaintance of mine from Minnesota, uh, Pastor David Kind, and uh, has some helpful providing with church fathers each day. All right, Quasimodo Genity, that's next Sunday. Uh, here's the week of Easter. All right. So um, the reading that he has for us um, for Holy Monday is actually from uh, Luther's sermon um, for Easter Monday from the Church Postal. Let us not overlook the example contained in this gospel, which urges and admonishes us to speak and to hear of Christ gladly, and to study the scriptures and God's word, though it may not always be understood and affect us as it ought. The gospel, this gospel, sh- also shows us the power, blessing, and effect of the word if approached with a sincere heart. 
And again, he's thinking Luke 24, 13 to 35. For in the first place, although these two disciples were yet filled with unbelief, he will not and cannot be separated from them, because they went their way discussing sorrowfully with one another about Christ, and questioning together almost without result. He at once drew near and went with them and soon touched their hearts and minds. He began to be or he began a beautiful masterly sermon, such as they had never heard before, concerning the very article of faith which caused them trouble and doubt. Then, in the second place, they immediately felt or feel its power. Their hearts are no longer heavy, slow, and cold to believe as before, but are moved and kindled, enlightened, and receive a new understanding, so that now they begin to know the scriptures correctly, and what they had uh, what they had never understood before becomes clear and manifest to their souls. Finally, the mask and cover are taken away from their hearts and eyes so that they no longer look upon him as a guest and a stranger, but truly know him and feel that he is no longer far from them, but on their side, and works certainty in their faith. Henceforth, they no longer need bodily visible revelations, but go forth at once to preach to others and to strengthen and aid them against doubt and unbelief. Therefore, we should follow their example and gladly hear the word of God without growing weary. For this is not only a needful practice for the strong and for the weak, for the wise and for the unwise, by which a knowledge of everything we need unto salvation is given, such study can never exhaust it, but it is also the punishment through which God wishes to work within our hearts, to give faith and the Holy Ghost, as St. Paul says in Romans 10:17. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. If man studies earnestly, even though the heart be cold and unwilling at first, if he only continues in the work, it will not be in vain, and the effect will be produced, that the unwise and, and erring will be brought in and made better, the weak will be strengthened, and at last the heart will be kindled and enlightened, so that Christ is understood and known from the scriptures. It's interesting, Luther is um, hitting on a, uh, I suppose, a challenge that we have, uh, one that I mentioned at the, at the top here uh, when we were talking about uh, those who would prefer family gathering over gathering with the family of God to hear his word. And um, uh, the Christian church, especially in, in the Easter season, uh, we, we want to emphasize the gift, right? The gift of God um, in Christ, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting, the forgiveness of sins that he purchased and won through, uh, for us through his shed blood. So the emphasis is on gifts. Come, receive the gifts, right? But just like Jesus' parables, um, many will refuse to heed the invitation. So for these, and this is where uh, it might be a little unpopular, for these, there must be what Luther called there the punishment, right? To proclaim the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, right? Do not despise preaching in his word. And um, unfortunately, uh, people are are reluctant, I would say, um, to speak this sort of word to one another, um, but also uh, resist when the church uh, proclaims such a word. For those who refuse to come, um, the word, though, that must be preached is the law, right? The word of judgment. Right? Do not despise preaching in his word. You will, it, you will, uh, well, it's rejection of what the gifts that God gives. And rejection of gifts, now they become a curse to you, right? And uh, that's hard to do. It's hard to hear. But I think it's fair, actually, um, for parents, grandparents, uh, whomever, friends even, to say, come with me to church. And they say, well, I have other things to do. Not acceptable. Come with us to church. Show up, right? And you say, well, but they're going to be reluctant, right? But do you believe, 
And um, I actually don't, I'm not sure a lot of our contemporaries, my even my fellow pastors all believe this, in the efficacy of God's word. It was a central uh, articulation at the time of the Reformation, that God's word is effective. It does what it says. Of course, that's what Isaiah himself says. But um, we think that we have to manipulate control and decide when and where to preach what words and that um, that we can somehow control God's actions then or at least um, come up with the result that we're looking for. Not our job. It's the Holy Spirit's job um, to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and um, of judgment, which we'll hear in a couple of weeks for our gospel text. Um, so um, the job of the church and of fellow Christians then as, as royal priests is to simply preach the word, right? Including the word of judgment towards those who refuse uh, Christ's gifts. And you think, well, that's so, that's such a downer for Easter. Well, you heard Luther's point. So it was here, Jesus came alongside these, these despairing, unbelieving disciples, right? Um, and he indicts them, right? Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into glory? Oh, foolish ones. Wow. What a harsh word to hear on Easter. Well, yes. Um, but then notice it quickly follows that um, then he preaches God's word to them. And that word, along with the word coupled to the breaking of the bread, opens their hearts and minds, uh, both to see him rightly and to receive him in faith again. You see? So uh, what a great um, insight there from Luther. And um, maybe this world needs a little bit more preaching of um, judgment against sin, all for the sake of the gospel, of course, that it be forgiven. Um, no, I can't believe that folks don't believe God's word works and is powerful. Well, um, uh, that's the comment on YouTube. Um, I would suggest, uh, you know, as we're especially struggling with uh, some cultural issues about, um, I, I think some of these are, are um, simply being drummed up for the sake of creating division um, and unrest in order then uh, to sweep in and provide the magical solution, which is tyranny. Um, but uh, specifically the uh, the sexual issues. Um, I guess now it's transgenderism. I don't even understand why that is a thing unless it is artificially um, being manipulated and controlled, uh, a teaching of demons, right, um, to, well, to possess people. Um but, I, well, that's the point. We simply should need to call it what it is. Uh, Luther says that's, um, that's actually what it means to be a theologian of the cross uh, rather than a theologian of glory, is to call a thing what it is, right? to not shy away from doing so. Theologians of glory um, will, will hide and obfuscate and distort and say, well, you know, they're made in the image of God. Uh, yes, male and female is the image of God. Right? The church being the holy bride, Christ being... Um, being the man, the husband. So uh, if we're unwilling to say such things, especially to those whom we love, we are actually abandoning the, them to unbelief. It'd be as if Jesus came alongside the Emmaus disciples and said, oh, foolish of heart, slow to believe. Um, well, go to hell, right? And then walked away <laughs> effectively, uh, rather than actually admonish them and, and direct them to God's word again. Um, have you not read the scriptures in the beginning? You know, And then even quote Jesus who, as he quotes Genesis male and female. I understand your struggles, right? How many of those struggles are actually the just believing lies? Lies even that your own flesh are telling you, right? But that aren't simple, or simply are not what God um, actually has proclaimed as truth or revealed even in nature. All right. So yeah, I don't think people 
I, I really don't believe people think God's word is effective because they refuse to speak it, uh, especially in times of um, of challenge when God's word is being challenged. So, all right. Um, our hymn for this week is what we used for the sequence yesterday. Of course, as a sequence, it included the text from uh, Whippo of Burgundy. Which, what a great name, right? Whippo of Burgundy from the um, from right around 1000 AD. And uh, so I sang that part, the text from Whippo, and then you responded with each stanza of, of the hymn, Christ is Arisen, which isn't actually that much uh, following. It's a probably 12th to 14th century Germanic hymn. We'll find out later when we look in the resource uh, next Saturday, but... Um, we're just going to sing the stanzas of the hymn today. Christ is arisen. It won't take us but a few minutes. God, in the Paschal Feast, you restore all creation. Continue to send your heavenly gifts upon your people, that they may walk in perfect freedom and receive eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pray the collect for this week, from yesterday. Almighty God, the Father, through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, you have overcome death and opened the gate of everlasting life to us. Grant that we who celebrate with joy the day of our Lord's resurrection may be raised from the death of sin by your life-giving Spirit. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pray for husbands. O Lord Jesus, by your word and spirit, fashion men of the men of your church into husbands made in your image, who love their wives and sacrifice themselves for them, even as you gave yourself for us, your bride the church. Teach them to respect their wives and to treat them with tenderness, compassion, and loving kindness. Deliver them from all pride and arrogance so that they do not take advantage of, of their wives, but honor them as joint heirs of the gracious gift of life. In your holy name we pray. Amen. We pray this day for faith to live in the promises of holy baptism, for all vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, 
for the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our homeschools, our colleges and seminaries, and for good government and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Uh, we pray in thanksgiving with Scott, who celebrated his baptism yesterday. Pray for all the households of our church, <clears throat> especially this week with Wendell and Amy, and Tim, Michael, Duane and Pam, Chelsea, Chris. Uh, we give thanks to God for life and for birth. Pray for our catechumens. Pray for all those who are ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Dale and Pam, Joe, Kelsey, Marion, Walt, Christopher, Brad, and Betty, Doug, Joan, Don, Hosea, Pat, and Darlene. Pray for our homebound, Marcella, Dan, Paul, Merlin, Pauline. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially uh, the alert disaster relief teams, our mission of the month. We ask the Lord to give us generous hearts to support their work. Pray for the mortification of the old man and for the preservation of the word and the increase of the church. And finally, we pray with all those grieving, especially the family and friends of Dan. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, it's been a great joy to have you with us here as we continue to celebrate the uh, Easter feast in sincerity and truth. By the way, not only uh, do we have Easter uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, which we'll recognize throughout the week, uh, but we also have um, uh, the second Sunday after Easter, the third Sunday after Easter. Easter is a 50-day feast, right? So, uh, uh, break your fast, enjoy the feast, and uh, celebrate our Lord's resurrection, full of sincerity and truth. All right, so God be with you all. Keep you safe. I hope to see you again in the morning. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.